Um, Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to go verses 1 through 11, then we'll get through the rest of the chapter as we go along. So please buckle your seatbelts, get ready for takeoff. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So I'm going to stop right there. Last week, we uh, talked about the... Uh, we talked about the Hebrew people. We talked about the Israelites before they became Israel um, uh, as a nation. They were a people group being led out of slavery from Egypt. So God led them out of slavery. And we learned last week that slavery, it's not something, it, we have TV slavery in our heads, like what we think slavery is, but it, it was brutal back then. Men would work basically until they died. Women were raped. Children were slaughtered to keep the population down, right? So slavery was brutal. It was incredibly harsh, right? And God brought them out of slavery and he's bringing them and ushering them into this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which sounds weird to us, but to them, they're like, right on, anything's better than Egypt, right? And so they're, they're going and they're going into this nation of, uh, that, that, that has been given to them from uh, their forefathers, Canaan, and, and, and before they get to the promised land, they have to go through the wilderness. They have to go through the desert. They have to be a little thirsty. They have to be a little hungry. They have to have some uncomfortability on the way to the promised land. And we learned that they, that they were complaining so much. They were complaining so much. They're like, well, why don't we just go back to Egypt? Why don't we just go back to the land of slavery and rape and slaughter, Right? Why don't we just go back? It's too uncomfortable here. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. My back hurts. And, and so in their present uncomfortability, they forget about how harsh slavery was. And we learned that that's, that, that has to do with us today. The warning of Hebrews, the warning in Hebrews chapter three was that don't stray away like that. Don't forget where you came from. In the, the immediate uncomfortable circumstance, don't forget that before Christ was far worse, you were a slave to your own sin. And we learned that being, having a hard heart, having a hard heart is simply backsliding into a, well, I just don't know if I trust that it's going to be okay. Having growing a hard heart, growing a hard heart is all about when we're progressing towards the promised land, we're progressing in this life towards Jesus and we start freaking out over our circumstances rather than looking at Christ himself. And so we learned that about the Israelites last week. And so he says right here, for good news came to us just as to them. The promise still stands, the promise of rest and restitution for your souls still stands for us today as it did for the Israelites back then because they were not united by faith those who listened for we who have believed entered that rest just as he said as I sworn my wrath they shall not enter my rest God said listen if you don't stop freaking out over your circumstances and you take your eyes off me if you do not fix your eyes upon Christ you're not going to enter the rest of Christ it says, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for as he, uh, as he somewhere spoken on the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. That's the Sabbath. We're going to talk about that. 
Verse 5, and again in the passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, he's quoting a lot of Bible verses here. He says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we uh, appreciate that you are not a God that remains a mystery. You choose to reveal yourself. You choose to reveal your character. You choose to reveal your will. Sometimes we shake our fists at you and say, why don't we get you? And, and, and I just, I, I hear your gentle voice saying back, why don't you pursue me? And so Lord, tonight we, we want to simply pursue you. We want to pursue a knowledge of you, a greater relationship with you. I pray that we would fall deeper in love with you, Jesus. And God, that out of this relationship with you would come rest for our souls. So, Father, we we love you and we give you this night and and pray that you would speak, not I, and that we would not listen through our own already preconceived biases, but we would just look at your word and see it as it is. I pray that for myself. I pray that for all of us. And uh, we love you and what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So as I said, guys, you know, God, God led them out of slavery. And the author of Hebrews says, don't let your heart grow hard like they did. Their hearts grew harder and harder as they looked upon their circumstances and stopped fixing their eyes upon God. The minute they took their eyes off of God, you know, things started, their, their circumstances just seemed bigger and bigger and bigger. And the author of Hebrews, he's warning us. And we learned last week that really the book of Hebrews is one long sermon. It's not necessarily an epistle or a letter. It, it, it's, it's more of a sermon that's, that's given to these people. And so when, when I read this, I picture a pastor speaking to his, to his fellow Hebrews saying, guys, I'm warning you. I'm warning you, don't let your heart grow hard. And we learned last week that our hearts grow hard when we fix our eyes upon the stress and the anxieties of life rather than Christ Jesus himself. And that is what the people of Israel did. And the second they were met with uncertainty, they immediately wanted to go back to Egypt. And in verse six, you know, it seems, it honestly, guys, it seems like Hebrews chapter four is just a reiteration of Hebrews chapter three. They're both pretty much the same exact message, only with different bends to it. He's building off of Hebrews chapter three, because remember when, when these weren't written, he didn't write it like chapter three, right? Chapter four. It was just one long letter, right? It's one long point he's trying to make. And he says in verse six, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Because that's how our hearts grow hard inside of us. This is how cynicism and stress grows by failing and refusing the rest that God has to offer us. Rest for our souls is how cynicism, stress, and doubt is combated. We often think that more knowledge leads to less doubt. 
And in many cases, that's true. In many cases, pursuing a knowledge of something, uh, it, it decreases your skepticism towards something. But as far as God is concerned, when we're walking a life with God, when we're, when we're in this life called Christianity, it's very seldom, at least from my heart, does rationalization usually cause me to not stress out anymore. Things that I can formulate are usually things that I can complicate. Things that I can really, really just wrap my mind around are usually things that I can complicate later on. And God says, listen, rather than explaining to you step by step everything that's going to take place, why don't you just look at me? Why don't you just remind yourself of how good I am and how much I love you? Why don't you enter into my rest and enter into my presence and I will guide you and you will discover as you walk along. I'm not going to give you the entire map before we enter into the journey because you're just going to look for shortcuts. You're just going to look at the path of least resistance, but I'm looking to grow you. I'm looking to shepherd you. I'm, I'm looking at the whole deal here is what God is saying. So how about instead of looking at the map, how about you look at me? Why don't you follow me step by step? Hold my hand. God had this life set out for the, for the Israel Israelites. He had this life set out for them full of bliss. Now, it wasn't a carefree, easy life. God's not about that for his people. He's not about just making them grow fat and lazy, right? He's not about no cares, no works at all. He's, he's not a God of laziness. But it's one f- uh, that is found at the crossroads of rest and productivity. The two are not, I, I think in America, we, we love to separate the two. Rest and productivity, like they're two separate things. But the two complement one another. The two can't exist without one another. Rest and productivity. Because rest without productivity is just laziness, right? Productivity without rest, right, is you're just going to burn out eventually. Right? And so what God has for us in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, is a life that is full of rest and productivity. It's found at the crossroads there. And that's what Hebrews 4 is all about. Hebrews 4 is about rest. It is about the Sabbath. And guys, I'm telling you something. We as Americans especially hate the Sabbath. I say we have a better, we have, we're better at not murdering than we are at not not resting. Sorry, that, that, that sounded weird. We are better at keeping the commandment, thou shalt not murder, than we are, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. We, like the Israelites, hate rest. We can't stand it. We can't stand it. Some of you are like, um, slept until 12 today. <laughs> we do. We can't handle real rest. Now, I'm not talking about sleep. I'm not talking about recharging. I'm not talking about having a day where you do nothing. I'm talking about a Sabbath. It's different. And all of, uh, and all of verse 11 is using, um, it, it's telling us that it's the mistakes of Israel are pointing us to this, this reality that we need to enter into Sabbath rest, that we as Christians are not exempt from that. Um, he says right here, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. God rested. In verse 6 it says, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today. 
So then there, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. <clears throat> Guys, the author of Hebrews associates our disobedience towards God as a result of not taking the Sabbath seriously. That disobedience is associated with not seeking true rest in the Lord. Now, this is tricky. Because oftentimes we find our worth in how much we work. We find our worth very much, even our Christianity, on how much we do, how much we attend this service, how much we attend that service, how, how much we're studying our Bible, how much we're volunteering. I know some of you are like, don't worry about volunteering at all. Don't worry, I got that Sabbath not volunteering thing down, right? For, for those of you that aren't volunteering here and not doing ministry here at the church. This is your family. I really encourage you. There's kids ministry. There's meals ministry. There's a bunch of stuff that you can do here, even once a month stuff. There's buddy break ministry, helping with special needs kids. That's just a quick plug for you guys. There's stuff to do here, right? And you need to do it. But what he's talking about right here is that disobedience often flows from not taking rest seriously. Not taking rest seriously. So for those of you that aren't familiar with what the Sabbath is, you're like, isn't that like a Jewish thing? Like what? It's a Christian thing. It's a Christian thing. It's a Bible thing. It's a God thing. It's, it's something established by God. Um, <clears throat> in Exodus chapter 20, um, when he's talking about the Ten Commandments, it's one of the Ten Commandments, which is what a lot of people don't know. One of the Ten Commandments is, uh, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. Right? And he says right here, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Do you know what any in the original Hebrew language means? Any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant. So guys, your male and your female servants, the ones that you guys have, they need to be taking days off. So just letting you guys know. <laughs> or your livestock or your, so even your livestock guys, like the, the bulls that would, that would tow and plow for, for the harvest, they had to take a day off too. Isn't that crazy? God established that for them, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is within them, and rested on the seventh day. On the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Hebrews 4.4 4 quotes that, and he says, even God, the maker of heaven and earth, rested. Rested. Now, guys, that's insane. That's pretty loco. And it, 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 this is, this is kind of hard for me because for those of you that grew up in church, you guys, uh, like myself included, uh, we look at Bible stories like they're not crazy. They are. A whale swallowing a man for three days, that's crazy, right? Walking around a tower for seven times and then it just falling, crazy, 
right? Insane. Don't act like it isn't. It is, right? It's insane. And God does it because it says that the foolishness of the Lord accomplishes more than the wisdom of men. And that's what I think it means. He's like, I'm just going to do something crazy right now because I'm God here, right? And he does crazy things, right? And one of the crazy things is that after making the world a perfect God, a perfect creator, God said, I'm going to take a break. That's insane. Because that automatically brings up a whole bunch of questions in my head. Like, does God even need rest? Right? Like, does God get tired? Does that mean he's, God's not perfect if he gets tired? If he needs rest, that means he needs, does he sleep? Right? If he's not like all knowing and all powerful and all present. If he like takes a nap at the end of the day, I, I don't understand. And the way we automatically think of rest actually reveals our attitudes towards the concept of rest. Because when I say rest and you guys automatically think nap or Netflix, that automatically, that automatically kind of tells us about our, 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 our perspective, right? Our perspective towards rest and what it means. We think that rest means we need to take a break because we're tired. But if we can pump ourselves up with enough caffeine or we can find a, a, a good sleep pattern or whatever that may be, right, then we're good. We don't need to take a day off. As long as we sleep enough, we have good nutrition, right? And as long as I'm having my coffee in the morning, my coffee, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning, my coffee at noon, my coffee at two, my coffee at four and my coffee, right? As long as I'm pumping myself up with enough caffeine and sugar and monster energy, energy drinks and just poisoning my body body and thinking, tricking it that it's awake, right? As long as I could do these things, I could do my homework, I could do my chores, I can hang out with friends, I could do all this stuff. I don't need a day off. Technology has made it so I can prevail. And as long as I go to bed at three, but as long as I wake up at one the next day, I'm fine. We think that rest means sleep. We think that rest means recharging our energy. Maybe some of you don't even get tired. I know people like that, you freaks. <laughs> you just don't get, like, people are like, I just don't get tired. <laughs> what? Ah, it's just, you know, like, three hours of sleep, I'm good. Like, who, who are you? Like, there's some people like, I, I just don't get tired. I don't really need a day off. In fact, it, it, it's kind of nice just working all day and, and working seven days a week. I feel good about myself and I need the money and, or, you know, I'll study seven days out of the week and I'll do homework seven days out of the week. It's good. I need to get good grades and it's just the way it is. And, you know, I would say that other than idolatry and lying, this is the main commandment broken today in Christianity, in America even, we hate rest. We hate it. And I'll tell you why we hate rest. Because if we need rest, that means we're weak. And if we aren't busy, it means we aren't productive. And if we aren't productive, it means we're not important. I know this because usually when people come up to me and they ask me, hey, Zach, how are you? I used to say, I'm pretty busy. I'm busy. Oh, I'm tired. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of work. been really productive. I'm important. People need me. <laughs> because busyness denotes importance, doesn't it? 
The more busy you are, the more important you are. The more responsibilities you have, the more adult you are. We need to feel important. That's why we need to be busy. We find our identities in our work. Those, some, those of you that don't have jobs, your homework, your GPA, whatever it may be for you, we find our identities in what we do. And a part of that is how you deal with not working. If you don't work one day, if you don't do homework one day, if you're not being productive one day, do you freak out? Do you have to do chores? Do you have to do all these things, right? To replace, to supplement that? That is why some of us, our Sabbaths are filled with chores. They're filled with catching up with everyone that we haven't seen or working on a side project. We need to be busy. Busyness is the God that we place in our lives. We surrender our time and our resources and our energy at the altar of the false God, which is the American dream. This idea that the harder we work, the more important we are. And the pastor of Hebrews shakes us and says, don't let yourself be swept into disobedience by not taking the Sabbath. Rest for your own soul, my brothers and sisters. Rest. And what he's talking about is finding rest in the Lord Jesus Christ and entering into the promise of his grace and the promise of his salvation. But I often find that that's also what pastors use as an excuse. They say, oh, no, it means like the Sabbath means that we're in Jesus now and he's our rest so we can work seven days a week and we don't have to take days off because Jesus worked on the Sabbath. But he's warning us here. Take the Sabbath seriously and we yell back, yep, but there's too much to be done. There's too much to get done. There's too much homework to be done. There's too much work to be done. There's too much chores to be done. There's too much to be done. I'm fine. I'm not tired. Newsflash, neither was God. We, if you think that you need rest because you're tired, it, it's not about that. If rest was only needed when we're tired, God wouldn't have taken a Sabbath. Does God get tired? Absolutely not. So the Sabbath isn't about taking a recharge day or sleeping in. That's not what the Sabbath is about. Genesis 2, chapter 1, after God created everything, it says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Listen, God designed the seventh day. And the seventh day, guys, is different for all of us. I work on Sundays, right? That's technically the seventh day, right? That's what we consider the seventh day usually. I work on Sundays today. I, I work all day Sundays. That's not my Sabbath. My Sabbath is Saturday. My Sabbath is Saturday. And then I have a day off Monday. So I, I have two days off in the week. Saturday is my Sabbath. Monday is the day I usually do homework. I do chores. I clean the house. I cook. I go grocery shopping, all of that stuff. But Saturday is my Sabbath. And so it's different for everyone. If, if Tuesday is the only day you don't have something going on, Tuesday's your Sabbath. But it has to be a day. It has to be the seventh day. Or a, a, a day in which you restart at the end of it. 
Listen, God designed it specifically for rest, a day to take a step back and look at what he has done and appreciate it. God made everything and he says, oh, it's so good. And then he made this and he said, oh, it's so good. And then he made another thing. He made the trees and the birds of the air. And he said, that's so good. And then he made man. He's like, that's so, that's very good. And he said, it's all so good. And on the seventh day, he's just like, this is amazing. I'm not going to work because I want to appreciate what I've done here. I want to enjoy it. To enjoy the fruit of his labor. A day of rest is not just a day of relaxation. It's a day of contemplation. It's a day where we take a step back from the busyness of life and we say, wow, look at all that God has done this week. Look at all that I've accomplished this week. This is awesome. You can't fully appreciate the work you're doing until you kind of take a step back and you look at the fruit that it's bearing. And so the Sabbath is really important, it's so precious. And it's so seldom held by us today. We, we take all the other commandments as, as if it's truth. But then for some reason, we, we like to skate around this one. We like to find reasons why it's, it's, it's not really fulfilled. And I hear a lot of people saying, yeah, well, Jesus said that he fulfilled the Sabbath. Correction, he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He means that the Sabbath is about me. Right? The Sabbath is a day about me. It's about the rest I give you. Don't neglect it. Right? And so here, here are three things. I'm just going to go throughout three things. For those of you that take notes, three simple ways uh, that the Sabbath ministers to us. Why we need to, um, what the Sabbath does for us. Why we need to consider it important. Why we need to consider a day full of rest and contemplation as, as essential for our emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Um, three things. So the first one is that the Sabbath causes us to listen to God. The Sabbath causes us to listen to God. God has made the Sabbath day specifically for us to sit still and look around at all he has done in and around our lives. And in Psalm 46 verse 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's a day for us to reprogram ourselves. You know, in the original language, be still means stop working. It literally means stop working. Stop striving is a good word for it. Settle down. Stop working. Stop striving. Be still and understand that I'm God. Not your job, not your family, not your friends, not all this stuff that would demand your time. Be still Know that I am God. I am God. It's a day for us to understand that the, seven, the, the six days prior to our seventh day of rest, all of those are about God. I would think if I didn't take time to just stop and think about it, I would consider the six days of the week to be about me. I consider it my, my job, my ministry, my family, my friends. And taking a step back and being still is a way for me to look back at the week and say, that was God's. That's God's. The word be still means stop working, stop striving. And God wants to speak to you 
without the laptop open. He wants to speak to you without the school books books open, without your friends around. He wants to speak to you. And some of you, me included, have a trouble hearing the still and quiet voice of God because you live in a mobile and loud world. God's voice is still and it is quiet. So if we're always moving and we're surrounded by noise, how are we going to hear him? Maybe you're better than I am. You probably are. But I need to sit still in order to listen to God. Yeah, some people, prayer warriors, always on the go. Yeah, God, for sure, going over here, right? Just always, you know, those super spiritual people that every single step they take is a calculated and spirit-filled and been prayed and fasted over for like 40 days prior to making that one decision to go to Starbucks and order that drink, right? Like that's, some people are so calculated and prayerful about everything they do, but if you're anything like me, you get on autopilot all throughout the day. You're on autopilot because you know what tasks need to be done. You know what words need to be said. You know what emails need to be answered. And you know all of these things that need to be done in your day. And you get so hardcore on autopilot that you don't take a step back and consider, whoa, what does God want me to do? I need that. You need that. The Sabbath causes us to listen to God. To sit still. Number two. The Sabbath causes us to trust in God's provision. To trust in God's provision. Some of you may be immediately thinking, Zach, I can't take a day off. There's too much to be done. I need to get this done. Exactly. There's too much to be done. That's exactly why you need a Sabbath. By surrendering a day to God, we communicate to him, and more importantly, to ourselves, that work does not own us. That we are not owned by our jobs. That we are not owned by our schoolwork. Taking a day off communicates to ourselves and to God. Listen, I, I am in control of my work. My work is not in control of me. Say, oh, there's too much to be done. There's too much to be done. There. I, I need to, by taking a day off to rest, we are proving to God And we are proving to ourselves that God alone is our provider. Because for some of you, it may take a real leap of faith to not work one day. Because financially, that might mean stuff for you. Right? Financially, that may that may be that 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 may be kind of the tipping point between, all right, like, am I eating out this week at all? Or like do I have to like top ramen and rice it, right? And, and, and so for some of us taking a day off of work, like it really, like for me, like in a lot of times, certain side jobs that I take and, and not taking, you know, because a lot of times in my past, especially I would um, fill up my spare time with different jobs that were available to me to make extra money. And by not, by leaving a free day open to contemplate the Lord and relax and spend time with your family, if you have a family, or to be just by yourself in the word, or be with a friend, or your spouse, or whatever. Taking that day to contemplate the Lord communicates to yourself, God's my provider. It's equivalent to tithing. Where tithing isn't, God doesn't need your money. It's communicating to yourself that your money doesn't own you. So you're going to give it. 
communicating to God and to yourself, I, I, I trust that God's my sustainer. So, so for the first 10%, that's God's. I believe he's going to do something great with this. The Sabbath is similar. Taking a day or a half a day to do something like that. A God is that which you ascribe ultimate worth and declaration of security in. That's what a God functionally is. It's something you declare, my security is in this. And for some of us, that's our jobs and our schoolwork. That's our God. That is why not taking the Sabbath seriously causes our hearts to grow hard, as the author exclaims. Causes our hearts to grow hard and for us to disobey God. Because by not resting, we constantly communicate that we don't need him. That he is not our provider. And that the present struggles and the anxieties that are surrounded can only be solved by us. That's what I communicate when I don't rest. That my struggles, I can fix it. It's about me fixing it. It's about me working harder to make sure it happens. And so by me taking a day off, it's a step of faith saying, God, there's so much that needs to be done and there's all these anxieties and these stresses around me, but I I believe that you are a provider. I believe that you can do this. So I'm going to, by faith, surrender this day to you and not deal with all of these things that are surrounding me. God, take it. Now, now there's a caveat to that where, where Jesus healed people on the Sabbath and, and the Pharisees, they look and they're like, he's doing work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? So we're not, we're not to exempt ourselves from good deeds and we're not to exempt ourselves from Christian fellowship. We're not to exempt ourselves from things that, which are good because what the Pharisees used to do, they'd be like, I can't even lift a fig leaf because that's considered work. They actually said that they can't drag a table or a chair or a piece of furniture. They can only lift it because dragging turned up dust, which is equivalent to plowing. That was actually a law that they made. That was a law that the Pharisees made, and that's not what Jesus means. He's saying it's a day to prove to yourself and to recenter yourself in the provision of God, to rest in him. That's why it's totally law. Someone needs your help on the Sabbath, go for it. A friend needs help moving that you, you just really care about and that's something that needs to be done, go for it. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath, but it's, it's not a day for you to be consumed with anxiety and with the work that surrounds your life. And lastly, number three, we'll end a little early today. The Sabbath causes us to find our identity in Christ. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard pastors on the pulpit say, Jesus is our rest now. We don't need a Sabbath. Or others saying, well, Jesus performed miracles on the Sabbath, so we can work on the Sabbath. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 8, he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. That was after the, um, he was walking with his disciples. He was going to go to the synagogue to teach and just enjoy God's word with God's people. And um, uh, he and some of the disciples would pick grain as they would go. Um, and they'd just kind of sift out the grain and that they'd just plop it in their mouths as a little snack, right? And the Pharisees, they look and they say, look, your disciples are working on the Sabbath. <laughs> Because they have to work for their snack, right? It's like, you know, if I had a 
bowl of pistachio nuts and I'm cracking it open, right? You got to look at that. Look at him, that degenerate, right? Ignoring the Sabbath day, defiling it with his nuts, right? With his pistachio nuts, pistachio nuts. Defiling it by opening up his pistachios. And that's what they were doing to Jesus. They were saying, look at them defiling the Sabbath by, by sifting out the grain, right? Jesus said, hold up. He said, hold up, guys. When David was really hungry on the Sabbath and he was, and he was running in the wilderness because he was being chased by people that wanted to murder him, he went into the storehouse he went into a temple and there was showbread and showbread was specifically meant for ceremony, for religious ceremony. And it was only meant for the priests and <clears throat> it was only meant for the priests and the teachers to deal with. And David went in and he's like, I need bread. And he ate it, right? And that was totally against um, pharisaical Sabbath law. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, when you're hungry on the Sabbath, eat, He's saying that all all the intricacies, he's saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not about keeping a certain specific set of rules. So what you shouldn't do on the Sabbath, guys, what you shouldn't be doing is be making a list of things that you're not allowed to do today. I can't garden today. Like I can't, you know, I I, I can't see this friend today because they're kind of stressful, right? Like, you know, you can't do all these things. What you shouldn't do on the Sabbath is make a list of things that you're not supposed to do. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath is about me. This doesn't mean faith in Jesus replaced the need for a restful Sabbath. It means that the Sabbath is about finding rest in Jesus. Hebrews 4.11 says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And it later on says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, this is where we continue. He says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, the Sabbath is meant to recenter ourselves in our identities as children of God. It is about what the author of Hebrews says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. The author of Hebrews says this, that the pastor of Hebrews, he he, he wants to remind us, remember something, everybody. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus is a great high priest who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. It says right here, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Do you know what he's saying? Jesus gets it. He gets the stress and anxieties of work and school. Guys, like we love to preach here, Pastor Mark, especially like Jesus had a business. He was a stonemason. He worked hard. 
He understands anxiety of keeping up a business and, and maintaining family peace, right? And going to um, the synagogues on a certain day and observing the law. And he, he realizes the stresses and anxieties and temptations that we face today. So the Sabbath, the Sabbath, guys, is meant for us to bring ourselves into the presence of Jesus and saying, you get it. Please, because you are God, help me with my anxieties. Help me with my busyness. Help me throughout the rest of this week to conquer it. Not be a victim, but have a victory in this week. To not be succumbed by all of the wave of stuff that wants to just drag me down throughout the week. Lord, give me strength. Let us draw with confidence to the throne room of grace. We learn in the, all throughout the Bible that, that God gives us empowering grace. Paul said that by the grace of God, I was able to accomplish more than every other apostle. That wasn't bragging. He's saying by the grace of God, I was able to work harder than everybody else. And the Sabbath is about sitting in the grace of God. Being empowered by it. <clears throat> we find rest in Jesus. And for those of you that are able to find Sabbath rest apart from taking an entire day, fine. All the power to you. But Jesus said, the Sabbath is about me. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that what we really want to go throughout our week and be productive but still feel rested? Isn't that just heaven to you? Being able to do what you love but not let it destroy you? Be able to study and be excellent in school but not have it strip away your vitality? To be able to go to work every day and, and, and do it with vigor and passion and to be excellent at it, but not have it just consume who you are in your free time and your relationships. Jesus said, for all that you who are labor and heavy laden, for all of you that are bogged down by the ins and outs of the week, come to me, come to me. And guys, for me, the weak man that I am, I need a day to come to him. I need to come to him without that thing in the back of my mind that says, hey, you have an appointment later today. I need to come to him without that thing in my mind where later that day at work, this thing happened. I need to be able to just come to him. Where I don't have to squeeze him into my little, the tight little area of my schedule, but where he gets that day. And guys, I'm not saying you need to like be on your knees all day for 24 hours. A Sabbath should be spent with your family. It should be spent with your friends. It should, my wife and I, we, we have been working in the past few weeks. We've been working, which sounds like an oxymoron. We've been working on doing Sabbath better. 
And, and, and what we have been doing is we've been like standing aside that day where we get to, you know, just do something that we love, go to the beach. Like we went to Pismo a few, uh, a few weeks ago and we just enjoy the day and enjoy the fruits of our labor, treat ourselves a little bit. And then last night, you know, we were kind of talking and I, I just said, I, we need to give Jesus a little more time in our Sabbath. And so it doesn't have to be filled with just on your knees, like just doing this all day in front of your Bible. But it needs to be a day where we come to him and we rest in him and there's no tasks that need to be done at the end of the day that will consume us. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In 1 Peter, he says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. He will never allow the righteous to fall. Put your burdens upon Jesus. Take a day to do that. Take a day where you get to say, Lord, this day is yours. Give me rest. And guys, for some of you that are filled with energy, that doesn't mean you have to sleep all day and do nothing, but it means you need to do something that day that helps you to enjoy the life that God has given you and not be bogged down by the responsibilities that shadow over you. Some of you might have responsibilities. Like uh, some of you are parents in here, you know, and, and, and that, that doesn't mean like, sorry, kids. Like, you know, like I have, this is, this is Papa's Sabbath day, right? I'm not going to pay attention to you. Or for those of you that have uh, friends that need help, like, and that knock on your door and say, Hey, like, can I talk to you? Sorry, Sabbath. Nope. <laughs> Leave, right? That's, that's not what it means. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath, but enjoy life. Don't let, don't let it take you over. Life gets crazy, and if we are not careful, we will get lost into what we do instead of getting lost in what Christ has done for us. A Sabbath proves that Jesus is Lord over your life. And he gives you the grace and strength you need for the week of work. Not that you are Lord over your life and that it's about your strength that you need to press through on your own strength. I'm going to have James and the worship team come up when they're ready. and Some closing advice, then I'll close for real. Just some practical advice in taking the Sabbath is that it doesn't matter what day it is, first of all right? Um, as long as it's most of that day, right? If at the end of the day, you have like a pressing matter that you need to attend to and stuff like that, whatever, but make sure it's most of the day that you are <clears throat> spending. Second, do something that you enjoy. Do something different, right? Like um, one of the good examples I heard in a sermon um, uh, that uh, Ryan actually shared with me was that uh, if you're a fisherman, you shouldn't go fishing on the Sabbath, you know? Like, that's, that's, that, that's counterintuitive, right? If you're a photographer, you probably shouldn't go just, you know, photographing everywhere, right? If that's your job, right? Like, your Sabbath ought to be spent 
doing something that you enjoy, but not something that is work-related. Because I think, for me at least, I'm like, okay, all right, my Sabbath, all right, so my, my work, guys, is meeting with people and counseling people. So a lot of the times, I cheat on my Sabbath by hanging out with people I know um, need my advice or need counsel or need stuff like that. So I cheat on my Sabbath sometimes by, you know, uh, kind of like, oh, it's kind of work-related too, you know, and I could do that. I need to not do that. So, so something that's not work-related, something that's not school-related. Third piece of advice, use that day to contemplate and meditate on your relationship with Christ. Don't blow off the day to just have fun, um, but really be able to meditate on who Christ is, what he's done for you. Spend that day in his word. Spend a good hour or two um, either reading or um, walking around, listening to worship music, doing something that refreshes your soul and draws you closer to Jesus. And recenters your day. And lastly, don't don't schedule too much on that day. You know, just a- allow allow you and your friend or whoever you're with, your spouse or whatever it may be, allow yourselves to just experience the day and, and be with the Lord. If you want to plan out the day, fine, but don't schedule work things on that day. That's some advice, but really, um, what I want to take us back to as we enter into a time of worship is something that God revealed to me a long time ago when I was spiraling into a time of emotional instability. I read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and essentially what it means is that if you're not emotionally healthy, you can't be spiritually healthy. If you're all jacked up in your heart and in your emotions, it's pretty hard to contemplate the goodness of Christ. And I found myself and all the burdens that I had all throughout the day and all throughout the week, and all throughout my job, I found, I found myself um, holding it in, and it just leaked out into everything. i just keep it in. Emotional instability would just leak out. and It's because I was consumed with my identity and work and what I did in my vocation. And I was consumed by it. It was who I am. And then I read Revelation chapter 2 where Jesus is talking to a specific church, and he says this, I'll close here. He says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, he means to the, <coughs> to the leadership of the church in Ephesus, he said, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and that you've not grown weary. He's saying you're not tired. He's saying you've done amazing works. You guys have worked hard and you have loved people and you have ministered to people and you have done great things for my name. And there's false prophets that are coming into the church and you don't have anything to do with them. And you are striving and you're not growing weary in it. You're still doing it. You're still going for it. Good job. But then he says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's what the author of Hebrews is warning us about, guys. He's saying if you're not careful, you're not going to enter into his rest. If you disobey this, you risk not entering his rest. You risk that lampstand being taken away from you. And what God told me and what I want to extend to you, it's something I've preached before. 
but it's something that ministered to my heart so greatly. One of those few moments where God is saying, I'm telling you this specifically. And God told me, he said, Zach, insert your name wherever. But he said, Zach, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you and how hard you work, but I miss you. But I miss you. And God wants to tell you that today, that he's so proud of how hard you've been working. He's so proud of your works and how you've been striving and that you've been doing a good job too. He's saying, I'm proud of you, but I miss spending time with you. I miss being in a relationship with you. I miss time with you. So please come back to me. Guys, let your relationship with Christ flow into your work. And that will communicate that it doesn't own you, but that God owns you. And so tonight, as we worship, I just make it a time of rest. As we take communion, we contemplate the body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed. It's God was beaten and he endured that stress and he endured the contemplation, uh, the complication and the dirtiness of life. He endured that so that we might bring our burdens to him and place it upon that cross so that it might be crucified with Christ. And then he extends this cup to us. He says, this is my blood. This is my covenant. Take and drink of it. And what he's communicating here is saying, enter into my rest with me. Enter into rest with me. Enter into a relationship with me. Come back to me. Do that tonight as you worship. Please don't leave early. Please take this time to sit in God's presence and to worship him and allow him to minister to your heart and rest. Please, I beg you for the sake of your own soul. And if you have to leave early, fine, but go and do something this week. Take a day, schedule a day where you're not working, where you get to enjoy God and enjoy the people around you. Amen? Father, we want and we desire to enter into rest with you, but it is hard because we're busy and we have... We have designed our lives to be centered around work and to be centered around studying and to be centered around all these things, all these things that are good and holy and things that you called us to thrive in. You called us to pay attention to work. You don't hate work. The cure for weariness is not laziness. The cure for not burning out is not to not do anything at all. No, no, no. It's, it's about recentering ourselves in you, Lord. So help us do that. Help me do that as I worship tonight. I, I am so easily consumed by work. I can even take my relationships to be work. Help me, Lord. Help us, Jesus, to experience your grace. We pray all of these things. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.